Hello and welcome to the West Point Sermon Podcast. This is your place for audio for past and future messages if there's something you missed out on or if there's something you want to hear again. Video versions of this podcast are available at the link in the podcast description if you want the full audio and visual experience. Be sure to subscribe so you get updates when new sermons are posted. Thanks so much for listening. This morning I want to share some bulletin bloopers. Anybody heard some of these before? Uh, these are actually things that were printed in a bulletin at one time, and they're they're pretty wonderful. So, uh, <laughs> all right, uh, number one here. Remember in prayer the many who are sick of our church and the community. <laughs> it's amazing what one word change does. Um, for those of you who have children and don't know it, we have a nursery downstairs. <laughs> oh yes. The rosebud on the altar this morning is to announce the birth of David Allen Belzer, the sin of Reverend and Ju- Mrs. Julius Belzer. <laughs> One letter, right? Oh, my. Uh, this being Easter Sunday, we will ask Mrs. Lewis to come forward and lay an egg on the altar. <laughs> I can't even read these without laughing. Okay. <laughs> The ladies of the church have cast off clothing of every kind, and they may be seen in the church basement on Friday. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) At the evening service tonight, the sermon topic will be, What is Hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice. I'm not going to make it through all of these. (laughs) Our youth basketball team is back in action Wednesday at 8 p.m. in the recreation hall. Come out and watch us kill Christ the King. Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Don't forget your husbands. (laughs) (laughs) Next Thursday, there will be tryouts for the choir. They need all the help they can get. (laughs) Barbara remains in the hospital and needs blood donors for for more transfusions. She's also having trouble sleeping and requests tapes of Pastor Jack's sermons. (laughs) Just thankful that didn't say Pastor Paul's sermons. Eight new choir robes are currently needed due to the addition of several new members and the deterioration of some old ones. (laughs) One more, one more. Okay. Weight Watchers will meet at 7 p.m. at the First Presbyterian Church. Please use the large double door at the side entrance. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, I needed that this morning because I'm going to kind of go for it this morning. I'm going to preach a little bit. I mean... I'm kind of, I tend to be, you know, a little bit more relaxed style, but this morning we're just going to go for it a little bit, and I'm going to preach on the fire of God's direction. 
And I believe that this is a critical message, and I think it's fitting that, that we're recognizing our graduates this morning because that can be kind of one of those key moments in life where you have to make some decisions that will impact the rest of your life. And I believe that as we make decisions that honor God and we trust his leading, that it can set a course for our life that is far better than what we could have figured out on our own. And as we trust God, um, there's, there's some lessons that we're going to learn as, as Moses and the people of Israel were trusting God's leading, and, and sometimes they weren't trusting God's leading. And the implications and the impact that it has on our lives when we choose to trust Him. So this morning, I want us to turn to Exodus chapter 13. And I'm just going to summarize a little bit um, what's happening in this story. But before we do that, you know, I remember as a kid listening to, to missionaries that came to our church. And I remember sitting there and hearing their stories that were supposed to be inspirational. And in reality, I was sitting there thinking, God, I'll do anything you want, but please don't make me a missionary. Like, please don't send me on the mission field. Like, I couldn't at that point, imagine anything worse in my mind. I'm like, you know, I like it here in this country. I, I like um, it, what what I'm, you know, experiencing here, and I don't want to go do something. And, and you know what I found, what I learned about God? Uh, you don't have to be scared that he's going to call you into something that's going to make you miserable. Now, there might be things in your life that he's going to call you to that are going to scare the snot out of you, that are going to challenge you, that are going to push you beyond what you thought you could handle. But God is not going to call you to something that is going to make you miserable because you will never experience fulfillment and joy unless you are walking in the calling that he's given you. So, Listen, if you're scared to do something, but God calls you to do it, he's going to make that experience rewarding. Now, uh, he didn't send me out on the mission field, but, but I'm at the point in my life right now that if he called me to go to a foreign country, I'd say, okay, God, I know that's what you have, and that's what's best for me, and I'm going to trust you to, to provide for me, and I'm going to trust you to take care of me, and whatever it is that you call me to do, I'm going to serve you faithfully because I know I will find joy and I will find fulfillment in doing that. And that fear and that anxiety of what God might call me to do has just been pushed to the side in my life because I've seen his faithfulness time and time again. And the people of Israel were in the land of Egypt, and as I shared earlier this morning, that God um, sent the ten plagues, and, and finally Pharaoh allowed them to leave and sent them on their way. But God knew that the story wasn't finished with them exiting Egypt. The story would conclude with them reaching their destination. You know, in life, um, the destination sometimes has an interesting journey along the way, right? There's, there's paths that we take. And as we trust God's leading, uh, we're going to find that journey not maybe easier, right? Because sometimes trusting God makes things difficult. But it's fulfilling and it's rewarding as we trust His leading. Maybe you've uh, felt scared about something that God has called you to. I know there are a number of people in this church that have adopted. And uh, most of the ones that I've talked to, when, when God actually put a burden on their heart to adopt, it was probably a little bit scary and probably a little bit intimidating. 
And you've probably heard all the horror stories of people that have had bad experiences, and yet you chose to trust God anyway. And I can't imagine this church without those who have been adopted being a part of it, right? Um, it's so rewarding to trust God's calling and to trust his leading and to walk through that process. Because when you're willing to do that, you experience things that you never dreamed you would experience. You know, I mentioned I was intimidated by the idea of, of going somewhere. Well, one of the coolest things about um, being a pastor now is that, that I've gotten to travel a little bit and experience the world and go on several different missions trips. And I'll tell you right now, it is one of the most rewarding experiences that I get to be a part of. It's so much fun. It's so amazing to see what's going on and what God is doing all around the world. As you trust him and as you walk through the adventure that he has for your life, you will find that fulfillment. You will find that reward. In Exodus 13, it's the story of right after um, Pharaoh had let the people go. And we're going to pick it up in verse 17. And then we're going to actually read all the way through chapter 14 as well. Um, picking it up in chapter 13, verse 17. And uh, you can follow along in your Bible or it will be on the screen as well this morning. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that way was near. For God said, let the people change their minds when they, or lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Now, I want to stop there and pause for a second. I'm going to show you a map. Um, now, this is a guess of maybe what the Israelites' journey looked like to reach the promised land. So they started out here uh, in Egypt, up near the Nile Delta, in that where number one is. And then if you look over here, where 18 is, that's where they ended up. Now, I don't know if you guys are good at directions, but that doesn't seem like it's the most direct way to get there. Seems like they took a little bit of a circuitous route, right? Has anybody ever like gone biking or jogging or something like that and gotten lost before? And you ended up going about three times as long because you, you took a, a wrong turn and you're like, oh, this is like five miles down the road. Uh, that's kind of like what happened here. Um, if you look, if you were to take a direct line from 1 to 18, you would see that they would go right along the Mediterranean there, which probably um, would have been a much more pleasant, like, scenic um, tour to begin with, right? But the Bible says that um, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines. You can see right at the top there, just south of uh, where the Gaza Strip is today, that's where the Philistines existed. That's, that's where they were from. And what God knew was that if he took his people through that land, they would immediately have to fight battles that they were not prepared to fight. You see, these people were fresh out of slavery in Egypt. So they had limited um, weapons. They had probably no training. They had probably no military experience. They had nothing. And so if they were to go and have to immediately fight a battle 
against another people, God knew that they would not be able to sustain it, and they would say, let's just go back to Egypt. But God had a plan to bring them out of Egypt, and so he took them a different way. Can I tell you something? This applies directly to our lives today. God will not lead you into a battle that you are not ready to fight. If you're going to walk through something and you need to get somewhere and you're trusting God's leading and he's taking you around, it's because of his protection in your life. It's because you aren't ready to fight that battle yet and he knows it. And so he's going to give you and provide you another opportunity. Now, if they were ready to fight, do I believe that God could have helped them defeat the Philistines? Absolutely. We've seen time and time again throughout Scripture battles that were fought that had nothing to do with the people and their experience and their ability to fight. We saw Gideon defeat the Midianites, which were tens of thousands of people with 300 men. And so these people could have walked right up through the Philistines because they had the Lord on their side and he could have helped them win. But God knew that they weren't ready yet. So there's really two lessons there. One, if you're not ready to fight, God will give you a way around that. But two, if you're willing to trust God and take a chance in something that you don't really feel prepared for, you're going to get there a lot quicker. Sometimes it takes faith to believe in a God that can help you get through something that you don't feel like you have any way through. Maybe you're facing a situation right now. Maybe your family's going through something. Maybe you're facing a situation financially or, or, or your stress in your workplace or, or tension in your family. And you're looking at it, and it's like this seems like an impossible situation, and I don't know how to lead, and I don't know how to, um, how to handle this. And so right now, you're just trying to be patient and wait out the storm. But maybe if you're willing to trust God to say, okay, God, I'm going to walk in your leading and your guiding. He can take you through it and help you navigate that situation. You can experience resolution and you can experience peace. If you're ready to tackle that thing head on and trust him in that way, he can bring you through that storm. He can bring you through that battle and you can experience his goodness. God knew that the people of Israel weren't ready to fight. He was worried that they would return to Egypt if they experienced war so soon. So he took the people around the way of the wilderness. And what's amazing is God in his plan B in taking the indirect route, he did something amazing in that process. Took the people around by the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea. Now, we'll go back to that map for one more second. Now, the other thing you'll notice is that... Um, this path, there's land between those two things. You don't have to walk through a giant body of water. So most of us would say, that's probably the smarter way to go, <laughs> right? But God had a plan, and he took them around to that, to that space right there. That's where we think that they crossed the Red Sea. In verse 19, it says, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, God will visit you, and you shall carry my bones from here. So they moved from Succoth and encamped in Etham to, at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day 
in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. See, when God appeared to Moses and gave him a plan, he did so in the form of a fire. And I believe that in this instance that God was communicating to Moses and saying the same God that called you in that bush in the wilderness is the same God that's going to give you direction and lead you through this wilderness. And it's not just in the daytime when you can see what's going on, but it's in the nighttime as well. When we're surrounded by darkness and when we don't understand, when we're in confusion in our lives, God is our light. God is that pillar of fire that's going to light the way, that's going to direct us, that's going to lead us. Bible says that his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. That imagery is consistent throughout Scripture that when we can't see what's next, that God's word is what gives us direction. God's word comes to us through reading what's in the Scriptures, reading what's in the Bible, but it also comes to us when he speaks to us, when he speaks to our heart. And when you're going through a situation in your life and you don't know how to navigate it, um, it's not automatic for us to turn to God and say, God, I, I trust you, I need you, I need you to give me direction in this. Would you point me in the right direction? Would you show me the way? Instead, we say, I'm going to try this, I'm going to try that, this makes more sense. Um, uh, you know, this, if I were to analyze it, this would be the thing that I would do. And then when we get lost and confused and end up five miles off the path, that's when we turn to God. Okay, God, I'm in trouble here. I'm lost again. I don't know what to do. Can you get me back on? Wouldn't it be so much easier if in the first place we were to just say, God, show me where you want me to go. I trust you. I trust you. So the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart before the people. At no moment were they in confusion about where they were supposed to go because that fire and that cloud never left them. Can I tell you something today? God's direction, God is never leaving you without a plan, without direction in your life. That's why he's given us the Holy Spirit. And I don't think it's a mistake that when the Holy Spirit came and visited the early church in the book of Acts, that the way that it manifested, uh, the way that he manifested himself was by tongues of fire over their head. In the exact same way that God provided a fire to guide and direct the people of Israel in the book of Exodus, God provided us with his Holy Spirit to be that fire to lead and guide us in decisions that we have to make today. And we are never without him. He's always with us. He lives with us. He lives inside of us. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, we could end there. We could wrap this thing up. But I want to hear what happened in the rest of the story because they came to the Red Sea. And... Uh, says verse in chapter 14, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near 
Pi-Harahoth between Migdal and the sea. And they, they are doing camp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around in the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So in other words, God is saying, hey, the people of Israel, everybody's going to think you're wandering around without a purpose right now, that you're completely lost, and that you're desperate. And you know what? When the world looks at us as Christians and sees the way that we're living our life and sees how we're trusting God, they're going to say, you people are nuts. Why would you trust in something you can't see? Why would you, why would you give a tithe at a church? That's 10% of your income. Like, I mean, that's crazy. Only a fool would do that. You know what you could use that money for? Why would you waste a perfectly good Sunday morning when you could be out on the golf course? Right? They look at us and they think we're just spinning around in circles because they don't see the bigger picture. But God says that in that confusion, I'm going to demonstrate my glory. And guess what? Whatever you're facing today, God is going to demonstrate his glory in your life if you're willing to wait it out and to trust him through the process. And when you're willing to trust him in obedience, when you're willing to listen to the voice of his Holy Spirit, then God's glory is demonstrated in your life. So here they are at the Red Sea, and Pharaoh suddenly had this epiphany, right? Oh, I let all my slaves go. That was a bad idea. I'm going to go after them. So God hardened Pharaoh's heart. He sent, uh, in verse 9 it says, the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen, all the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away. Oh, I jumped the gun here. Hold on. So he took 600 of the best chariots along with them, the other chariots of Egypt, the officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. And then they, they came to the water's edge. And we're going to jump down to verse 26. It says this, The Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea. All right, I just skipped like 15 verses in my notes. Hang on. That's what happens when you don't double check that. Okay. Let's just go to the the Bible here. (laughs) There's a thought, (laughs) right? Back up. Okay. Let's jump to verse 19. I didn't have that in my notes. Okay. Then the angel of God who was going before them, the host of the Israel, went before them and the pillar of cloud moved before them and stood behind them. They were surrounded by the presence of God coming between the host of Israel and Egypt. And there was a cloud of darkness and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. That's pretty cool. Verse 21, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove back the sea by a strong east wind all night and made the sea land dry. 
can you imagine? I mean, just just close your eyes for a second and imagine being put in that circumstance. I mean, the Red Sea. Now, like the Israelites cross the Jordan River later, and I'll tell you right now, I've seen the Jordan River. It's not that impressive. I mean, it's like it's like 15 feet across. It's not a big deal. But the Red Sea is a massive, massive body of water. So imagine for a second this wind that's so strong that it's pushing the water back. And not only that, it's not mucky and muddy as they're walking across, but the surface, the bottom of the sea is completely dry. Can you imagine what must be going through their heads at this moment? Can you imagine what's going through the heads of the Egyptians at this moment? Because first of all, like they can't see anything, and the Israelites can see perfectly because there's this cloud thing going on. And now the sea is dividing itself. And so they walk across. And I, I'm telling you what, if it were me, you know, I trust God and I have faith, but I'm walking across that thing. I'm thinking this is a bad idea. This is a bad idea. There's a fish. This is a bad idea. Like, I mean, can you imagine the fear and the trepidation that they're experiencing as they're doing this? Because they know the instant that wind stops, that water is coming back. And so they're praying. <laughs> And they're walking, maybe running a little bit, as they're crossing that sea. It says in verse 23, the Egyptians pursued and went in after them. Because they're like, well, if they can do it, we can do it. We'll follow them right in. I don't think they thought about, like, what happens when we get to the other side? we got to come back. We have to go walk all the way around the Red Sea again. But they went for it because they knew what they were supposed to do. And in the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove on heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. This is even before the sea had fallen back in. But then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the water may come back to the, uh, on the Egyptians upon their chariots and their horsemen. So Moses stretched his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And the Egyptians fled into it. And the Lord threw the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the hosts of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea, and not one of them remained. What may have seemed like foolishness and confusion resulted in God completely wiping out their enemies. You can trust that God has a plan and that he's going to show his glory in your life. Verse 30 says, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. And Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord. And they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. 
Faith grows by experiencing the faithfulness of God. When you experience his faithfulness in your life, then you have more faith the next time because you've seen him do it before and you can see him do it again. If you're facing an impossible situation in your life right now, trust God. Trust him. He's going to take you through it. He's going to walk you through that difficult situation. And as you trust him and as you believe in him and as you see and experience his faithfulness in that situation, the next battle is not going to seem so intimidating. The people of Israel, unfortunately, didn't learn their lesson. Can we throw that map up one more time? See, they started with kind of a sideways journey, going down through the wilderness there and then coming around. And, and you'll notice this like little loop here. You know, you're like, what is that? That's Israel forgetting God's faithfulness. Like, okay, we need a little more time wandering around the wilderness because we still haven't learned to trust God. You can spend your life wandering around in the wilderness, and you might eventually get to where God wants you to be. But imagine what it could be like if you had the guts to trust him enough to take the direct journey. We're talking about years and years and years in that wilderness. And nobody who came out of Egypt got to experience that, that promised land because they all died off. Now, maybe it's all right with you for your descendants and your children to experience God's promise for your life, but that's not okay with me. I mean, I want them to experience that, but I want to experience it too. And I don't want to wait till my life is over to see the faithfulness and the reward of following Christ with my life. So I'm going to aggressively pursue the direct path for God's plan in my life. And if it takes me through a battle, then I'm willing to fight that battle. Because he is faithful. 